0: Twenty metres up, Daniel gasped as he grabbed madly to steady himself and realised that he'd dozed off momentarily. The eleven-year-old shuddered, imagining what might have happened as he tightened his thigh grip on the branch between his legs. His throat was dry, his vision blurry, and his head weighed down by the loss of a night's sleep. The youngster had his reputation as a lookout to protect, so he tried not to sound like he'd scared himself to death. Don't worry, I'm on it! There had been a freight train just after seven that had caused some confusion, but Daniel had no doubt this time. It's the one! Daniel yelled. Send the signal! Paul pulled the grenade out of his pocket. Are you completely sure? Two locomotives pulling. I can see tanks under tarpaulins and the anti-aircraft draysian hooked on the back of the train. Good stuff, Paul said happily. Cover your ears and hang on tight. Kind of hard to do both, Daniel noted, but not loud enough for Paul to hear. The grenade had to be thrown carefully because the forest was dense and the result might be deadly if it bounced off a branch and came back at him. Paul had used some of the hour he had spent standing at the base of Daniel's tree to find the best aiming point, and after pulling the pin, he flung the grenade in a high arc between two trees before taking cover behind the trunk. ''Hold it!'' Daniel shouted. Before Paul could respond, a bang echoed down the hillside and clumps of burning white phosphorus shot off in all directions. Paul shielded his eyes as the blast cracked, and when he stood up, Daniel's bare feet swung off the branches, barely a metre above his head. ''There's another train!'' Daniel said anxiously before jumping to the ground and gasping as the side of his foot scraped on a tree root. Paul's ears rang from the blast. How can there be two trains? Coming the other way, Daniel explained. Passenger or cargo? Eight passenger coaches! Could it reach the tunnel before the tank train? Paul asked, horrified at the prospect of accidentally blowing up a train full of passengers. And with Allied bombings wrecking France's railway network and the resistance regularly sabotaging rolling stock, every passenger train ran full. As Danielle went down on one knee to put his boots back on, Paul thought about the distance to the track and spoke rhetorically. ''Even if we could make it down there in time, how would we signal the train to stop?'' ''I don't want to be anywhere near that tunnel when all that explosive goes off,'' Danielle answered, now wide awake from the adrenaline rush. ''What if we could get to Luc and Michelle and stop them setting the explosion?'' ''Any train you see can't be more than three minutes from the tunnel,'' Paul said. took us over ten minutes to get up here from the ridge, and we don't know exactly where they are hiding out with the detonators.'' Paul didn't add that his orders were to do everything necessary to stop the tank train, and that even if they found the others in time, Luke was completely ruthless and would blow the tunnel anyway. Got to be 80 people in each carriage, Danielle said. Eight carriages times 80 people comes to... Paul grabbed his backpack and interrupted as Danielle completed the sum in his head. Nothing we can do, and it's dangerous to stick around here any longer than necessary. Let's start walking. What about Michelle and Luke? They might catch us up, but there's no point waiting around for them. Two for one. "'Luke said, smiling at Michelle. "'They were crouching on a chalkstone ledge "'50 metres from the tunnel mouth "'with candle-wax plugs in their ears. "'The clanking military train directly below "'moved at no more than 20 kilometres per hour, "'even though it was being pulled "'by a pair of Germany's most powerful locomotives. "'The lad's low-lying position and plugged the ears "'meant they had no clue about the passenger train "'coming the other way. "'Luke's two-for-one comment referred to their plan "'to incapacitate a tank battalion "'while simultaneously wrecking a tunnel "'on a railway line the Germans would desperately need "'when the Allies invaded.' Trackside explosions could derail the train, but it took a blast reflecting off tunnel walls and the intense fire that was sure to follow to wreck heavily armoured Tiger tanks. Luke watched as the twin locomotives entered the tunnel, followed by several cargo wagons. To detonate, he needed to make a circuit by touching two bed wires together. His hands trembled as he thought about the pummeling the fragile detonators had taken during their rainy overnight trek and the fact that their explosives were stretched out across a puddled tunnel and had been laid hurriedly in the dark as the sooty air choked them. One broken wire in the firing circuit and the whole show would fizzle. ''Take cover,'' Luke ordered. ''Keep your mouth open so shockwave doesn't burst your eardrums.'' Because of the earplugs, Luke accompanied his words with gestures. As he counted a sixteenth tarpaulin-covered tank entering the tunnel, Luke touched the bare wires and felt the crack from a blue spark as he died behind a tree trunk on top of Michelle. Within a second, the ground shook. A shockwave stripped leaves off the trees and filled the sky with fleeing birds. The train made a huge metallic shriek as the explosion filled the length of the tunnel. Luke was scared that the ledge was going to collapse down onto the tracks and he made the mistake of taking a peek around the trunk as the tunnel mouth spat a vast fireball. The air was unbreathably hot as Michelle's anxious fingers.